0: Visit carp.ca.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Six months into the job, Canada's new Minister for Seniors has crisscrossed the country on a listening tour. We caught up with Philomena Tassi to hear what older Canadians are saying as her government prepares to deliver its final budget before the fall election. And thousands of Canadian paramedics are being trained to deliver palliative care. The initiative is meant to reduce unnecessary hospital visits and offer access to urgent end-of-life care. But first, hear your Zoomer headlines from around the world. tech companies may want to gear their marketing to Zoomers. It's estimated that over 1 million Americans over 50 will spend $84 billion on tech by the end of the next decade. And that's just purchases for themselves, not counting the extra buys for kids, grandkids, and more on things like smartphones, TVs, home assistants, and virtual reality devices. British bicycle firm wants to get grandparents pedaling. The company has had huge success with its indestructible kids' bikes and now has a new target, older cyclists. Isla Bikes has created one specifically for riders 65 and up, adapted for reduced flexibility and strength. The bikes are easy to mount, have low gears for hills, and easy hand grips. The company founder wants to challenge the stereotype that aging means being less active. A Bahamas court this week issued an arrest warrant for Canadian fashion mogul Peter Nygaard. It's just the latest strange twist in a legal battle over beach clearing around Nygaard's luxurious waterfront estate. An environment group alleges the 77-year-old has doubled the size of his property through illegal dredging that's destroying a nearby national park. Nygaard's doctor claims he's unable to travel to the Bahamas due to poor health. His clothing company has more than 170 stores across North America. Valentine's Day will be a little less sweet this year. Sweethearts, those chalky little candies with messages of love on them that have been around for over a century, will not be on store shelves. The company filed for bankruptcy protection last spring, and the new owners didn't have enough time to get the candies out for this year's love fest. British acting legend Dame Barbara Windsor was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014, but her husband reports her illness is eased when she watches herself in the old carry-on movies. I'm Nurse May. I was told to report here, sister. I'll be with you in a moment. Hi. The 70s comedy series was playing on TV this past Christmas, and 81-year-old Barbara became emotional when she recognized her younger self. Her condition was only made public... Last year, I'm Libby Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Minister Philomena Tassi, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, my pleasure. Senior's Minister Philomena Tassi dropped by the Zoomerplex this week to meet with CARP ahead of the next budget. Her priorities align with CARP's advocacy, but will that translate to anything concrete? I started by asking her what has been accomplished since she was appointed six months ago.
3: In terms of specific things, you know, if you look at in the area of income security, uh, for example, the OAS and the GIS uh, age of eligibility rollback from 67 to 65, that uh, had prevented 100,000 seniors from going into poverty. The GIS increase for the most vulnerable single seniors, that assisted 900,000 seniors and raised 57,000 seniors out of poverty.
2: With respect, that was a campaign promise. Yes. uh, Before... uh the Trudeau government was elected in 2015. Right. So you're still on your listening tour. Listening tour, yes. And have you figured out what you would see as the priorities? Because we've just finished
3: uh, budget consultations. Right. And uh, the budget is coming up. The areas that continue to come up are income security, isolation, elder abuse and elder fraud, access to health care, and housing. And so, you know, there are different initiatives that, so the first question in terms of what have we done since my appointment, there are a few initiatives I'd point to. So it's the strengthening of the New Horizons for Seniors program, which is an excellent program that um, tackles a number of things, isolation, elder abuse, volunteering, mentoring, and some infrastructure investments to ensure that seniors are engaged and included. So those are grants of up to $25,000 for community groups to do whatever. Right, right and so the the change that we've made recently is with the pan canadian Applications. we've increased the amount. So instead of it being $750,000, we have now increased it to $5 million. And instead of it being three years, we've increased it to five years. So those organizations, because we've seen that when those groups come together, they need a little bit more time, and we've upped the investment. The other thing that I was just doing this morning, in fact, was um, working with a, a roundtable, a group that's working with FCAC, which is the agency that oversees banks and banking to develop a code, a code for seniors in dealing with their banks. We want to ensure that the products that the banks are offering to seniors are products that are actually valuable to seniors. We've um, implemented regulations that, in fact, those that are working at banks cannot benefit by upselling. And this is to get at ensuring that seniors are actually getting the services from the banks that they need. We have a National Dementia Strategy, but it's not funded. What are the chances that it will get that funding? Well, we've committed to the National Dementia Strategy, and so now what we want to do is to uh, ensure that people that are suffering dementia, we know it's not seniors, but it's predominantly seniors, that they receive the supports that are needed, and we want to continue to ensure that investment dollars are given for the research. The government has done a couple of things in the area of caregivers. One is to make the credit easier to access, so now you don't have to live in the home when you care for someone to be entitled to that credit, but also the introduction of a employment insurance benefit for caregivers if they're looking after someone who's critically ill.
2: I know CARP and others are looking for a refundable caregiver credit because the burden of caregiving, it usually falls on women. Often they just don't have the income that would enable them to take advantage of uh, tax credit. Is a refundable caregiver credit something that is on the table that we will see shortly? Is more proper funding for a dementia
3: strategy, is that... Something that we can hope to see in this upcoming budget. I think each of those things I would say that uh, are very important and we strongly support. How we invest in those areas would be something that will be determined. But in terms of recognizing them as priorities, absolutely. We've just finished budget consultations and everybody who goes to a budget consultation
2: presumably has their handout. So, I mean, how, how
3: do we get this funded and executed? Well, that's a fantastic question. And I'm really happy that you asked me that because I think that the last thing that I want people to think is that a Minister of Seniors has been appointed and so now the work is done. In fact, I would ask Canadians to continue to advocate I will be the voice at the cabinet table. Do you have confidence that your voice will be louder than other voices there? (laughs) Well, I do have a strong voice, uh, Mm. but that's God given. Um, I, I, I do because I believe that everyone around that cabinet table recognizes the contributions that seniors have made and continue to make. Okay, Minister Philomena Tassi, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, my pleasure. That was
2: Canada's Minister for Seniors. Philomena Tassi. I'm Libby Zneimer and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a new approach to palliative care.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Some paramedics in Canada will soon be treating patients with terminal illness. Thousands of paramedics, including those in York Region, will deliver palliative care as part of a three-year project. Not only will this ease the strain on the ER and hospital beds, it will also ease the burden on patients and their loved ones at the end of life. The Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement is one of the organizations funding the program. I talked with CEO Jennifer Zelmer.
4: It's really about adding paramedics to the palliative care team because often palliative services in the home are available Monday to Friday or with hours that may not be 24-7, but You know, as we all know, emergencies can occur at any time. And so by including paramedics in the team, making sure they're connected with the other members of the team, that they've got access to the information they need, they can step in and really provide care that offers comfort and helps prevent those trips to hospital.
2: Are you thinking of using paramedics for kind of regularly scheduled care or just if an emergency crops up that somebody would be calling 911 for?
4: Primarily, this program is for times when people need services in the home when they wouldn't otherwise be available. So, you know, in some cases that could be if you're in a smaller community because places you might otherwise have received service, maybe somebody's on holidays, you know, there there may be other reasons to step in, but it is really about expanding that palliative care team. We're looking at how can we expand that team, provide care closer to home in those situations where, you know, there's already been a discussion about what are your preferences, how do you want to receive care, and what are the services that can be provided to you where you want them. What are the
2: kind of emergencies that can arise for someone receiving palliative care?
4: It could be a challenge in terms of something like shortness of breath, needing to have that assessed, or breakthrough pain. There could be a variety of different kinds of circumstances that could lead to a need for palliative care. And that's why it's so important to have, you know, everybody involved. How would
2: a paramedic treat, say, shortness of breath short of taking somebody to emerge?
4: Well, in a situation where somebody has a care plan about how they'd like to be cared in that situation, they may be able to assess the individual in the home in a different way and follow that care plan under the medical directives that have been set. They may be able to help with providing oxygen or other types of services as well. What
2: does this mean for families or other caregivers for people who are at the end of life?
4: I think one of the principles of palliative care is that individuals and the people they want to be around them, their, their families in the broadest sense, are involved and engaged in that care because this type of approach has been used in a, in a couple parts of the country. So I was talking to some folks who are already using this approach, and you know, one of the family members said it was, it was like having a gift of time because they didn't have to spend that time on transport to emerge in the hospital. They were able to stay at home but have the reassurance of have a care provider supporting them in that journey.
2: This plan started in the Maritimes, right?
4: Yeah, Nova Scotia and PEI, and there's also some places in Alberta. uh, So we did actually a call for innovations in palliative end-of-life care, and both teams in the Maritimes and in Alberta submitted to that call, and there was a process of identifying the shining stars, and they both emerged through that process. So now what we're looking to do is say, how can we learn from their experiences and then make those kinds of services available more broadly? paramedics are already being called out to help patients who are who are in these kinds of situations and so by supporting them to provide the best possible care that they can offer it's better for the individual it's better for their family and it's also the paramedics tell us some of the most rewarding care that they provide
2: what are your hopes for this program
4: Our hopes are to train over 5,000 paramedics over the next four years and to support them to continue training their colleagues as well. Assuming that we see the continued same kinds of good benefits that we've seen already in other parts of the country, then hopefully we'll also be able to further expand over time.
2: Okay, and what are the benefits that you've measured so far?
4: In the uh, programs that already exist, we've measured benefits in terms of individuals and their families reporting um, that they feel an improved support, improved comfort, improved quality of life. The number of trips to hospital have gone down. Um, and interestingly, the total time on a call for paramedics has also been reduced on average.
2: Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Zellmer, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Jennifer Zelmer, CEO of the Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a rock legend celebrates a birthday.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, All Things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Libby Neimer. It's time for your international art state book.
1: Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. The Morgan Museum in New York is offering up the most remarkable collection of materials relating to one of the world's most beloved authors. The life and times of J.R.R. Tolkien are on display until May. In Glasgow, visitors to the Calvin Grove Art Gallery are now being greeted by the London Natural History Museum's famous Diplodocus dinosaur, complete with 292 bones covering its 21 meter length. What a life! Rock photography by the the Star of Music Photography has opened at the Kisula Powerhouse Art Center in Sydney, Australia. Tony Mott's personal favorite was Queen's Freddie Mercury. Mott is considered one of Australia's most celebrated photographers. And good news for those hoping to visit India's Taj Mahal. Local police now have catapults to scare off monkeys who've caused a recent spate of attacks on tourists. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook.
2: This week, Phil Collins celebrated his 68th birthday. Phil first gained success as the drummer for the popular rock group Genesis. When lead singer Peter Gabriel left the band, Collins took over as the group's lead singer. In the 1980s, he left the group and started a solo career. Since then, he's had a string of number one hits and he's been awarded seven Grammys two Golden Globes, and an Oscar. He's also one of only three recording artists, along with Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, who have sold over 100 million albums worldwide, both as members of a band and as solo artists. Right now, we'll travel back to 1988 and hear Phil Collins' chart-topping cover of Groovy Kind of Love. That was Phil Collins with Groovy Kind of Love, a chart-topping cover he recorded in 1988. This week, Collins celebrated his 68th birthday. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive Producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy.
1: This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.